Ah, uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. We are, as usual, facing today's headlines without fear and defending the gospel of Christ uh, through power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, as, a, as kind of a refresher uh, from last week, we began with the um, four C's of sin. We got through two of them. Uh, we discussed where sin actually began, where it commenced, how it all started. Uh, I think there, there may have been a few of us out there that, that were a little surprised at, at um, what, what was discussed and what we found out. Uh, sin actually began in heaven. Uh, and then we moved to uh, why is sin our condition? Why do we have this inherited uh, condition, this this inherited malignancy called sin and why do we have to live with it uh, and so this week we're going to move further into the discussion on the four C's uh, we'll start with the third C which is what are the consequences of our sin uh, pastor would you would you go ahead and and, uh, and fill us in on on the details here and give us kind of an idea of what uh, the consequences if any uh, there are of sin. Um, there, there are severe consequences uh, due to our condition. Our condition is such that uh, that we're going to suffer the consequences uh, unless something happens with us. Uh, I mean, our condition is this: for for as an atom, all die. Right, I right. Mean, we discussed that last that, week. That's right. That's right, and just by review, uh, Romans 3.23 says, uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says in, uh, in Romans 3.10 that as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Uh, and so uh, that's our condition. Uh, Proverbs 23.7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is so he. Is he. So right. sin is more than just doing bad stuff. It's it's our thoughts and everything. It's our sin nature, and that's our condition. Whether we're saved or not saved, we still have the propensity to sin. Right, now, and that was a, as a result of the original sin, or the Garden of Eden, is where that began. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it says the Bible says so. As in Adam, all die. Right. So you see, the sentence of death, sentence of death is upon all of us who have taken breath on this earth. We are, the, the sentence is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 says that. Uh, Ezekiel 18 verse 4 says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so, as in Adam, who is the original sinner, and passed on the sin seed to all of humanity except for Jesus Christ. And well, I'll go correct. into that in just a minute. Correct. Um, so, so as an Adam all dies, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. This is our condition. Death, whether we like it or not. And that is the consequences of sin. And by the way, um, I'm 80 years old. Physically, I'm dying. I mean, I feel great this morning, but I know that I'm not going to live um, maybe more than a decade uh, because of this thing that 
Adam passed on to me, and that as a consequence, I'm going to die. Now, I can still choose not to sin. Right. But right. because I have the sin nature, sometimes I do. Correct. And yeah. I've been forgiven, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. You want, might want to read that. Amen to that. And so, and so that's the consequences of sin. Now, now the, the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, and by the way, the Apostle Paul said he was the chief of sinners. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he said, I think it was in Romans chapter 7, he said, For I know that in me, in me that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no, no good, good thing. thing. <laughs> and, he, and he was a persecutor of the church. He was one of the lousiest, stinkingest sinners that ever lived. Yeah. In that he persecuted the church. He got saved on the road to Damascus. And God has used him to write 13 books of the New Testament. That's if you include Hebrews, and, and, I, and I do. Um, and so, and so that's the consequences. Now, what's the culmination of sin? And we've already talked about it briefly. Right. It's death, but it's eternal death. If you want to book, read the book of Revelation, starting with, oh, say, verse 19, I mean, chapter 19 and following, that everybody that is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of the fire where they were, they'll be there forever. Right. Yeah. And the only way you can get to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life is that if you're saved, born again, if you receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. So there are, there are basically two conditions of people on the earth, uh, those who are saved and those who aren't. And those who aren't will suffer the consequences of sin. And the culmination of sin is this, and we'll make this briefly because I know you want to get into another topic, and uh, and we want to uh, save some time, uh, in fact, a lot of time for that. And the culmination is uh, that the saved go to heaven, right? And they're th and the and the unsaved, those who don't don't believe in Jesus Christ, go to hell. And before we get into our next subject, let me just say this. Uh, people, if you're listening and you're not sure that you're saved, you can be saved right where you are seated. Amen. The Bible said in Acts chapter 16, 31, to that Philippian jailer who was afraid he was going to lose his life because the prisoners may have escaped. And he said to, the, to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he didn't go through a whole list of uh, of reformed theological nonsense. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. He, he didn't. he didn't whip out a scroll of stuff that we have to do to be saved. Here's what he said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. All you got to do is believe the gospel. Um, and the gospel is found in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 3, and I'll read it to you from the King James Version, which I use exclusively and I love. Uh, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. That's right. You see why he died? For our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, 
and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Yep. And then he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. And after that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. This is proof. After that, he was seen of James and all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me. And he's talking about having seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. So here's how to be saved. You believe God and his, and his gospel, how that Jesus died and that you're a sinner. Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. He was buried, was in the earth for three days, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he appeared to a whole lot of people. And the book of Acts says he appeared uh, to the apostles for a span of 40 days. So it's, it, it, there's plenty of proof that the gospel is exactly right. Yeah, there were eyewitnesses to these accounts. They, they saw, they watched Jesus be crucified, as a matter of fact. They went to the grave, uh, as a matter of fact. They saw the empty tomb, as a matter of fact. So here's what you believe, folks. If, if you're not saved or you're not sure of your salvation, believe the gospel. If Christ died for your sins, he died for, the, for your consequences. He, he was buried. He rose again the third day from the dead. He appeared unto many for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God, even now, as our adversary. I mean, not adversary, as our advocate. Advo as our advocate, correct. Yeah. Let, me, let me say that again, as our advocate. And, and uh, he's the go-between between, between us and God. So believe the gospel. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior simply by grace through faith, and you will be saved. Amen. And the culmination of that for you is eternal heaven someday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you don't do that, if you refuse to do that, if you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be, uh, you will be sent to hell for eternity in, in terrible agony in flames. That's that. Now, let's, let's go into the next, to the next um, uh, subject, a topic which you've chosen from, some, from something we said last week. Right, uh, Pastor, you had mentioned that um, uh, even before we began our study that uh, uh, we were doing this podcast uh, and decided to do it because we were actually going to war. Uh, could you kind of uh, expound upon what you meant by going to war? Yeah, I can. I can expound on it. And, uh, and uh, let's start with, uh, with the scriptures now. Now, um, I'm going to um, I'm I'm going to um, uh, read to you some scriptures, and I'm going to give you the the uh, references so that if you read it in your Bible, uh, that that you can get to them, and I will give you time to get to them. We're going to start with First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse. First Corinthians 14. 14, verse 8, okay. Yeah. And, and, and for uh, those of you that are listening in, we recommend that uh, before you tune in to us every week, uh, we would recommend that uh, you, you bring a Bible. 
Correct, Pastor? Absolutely. That's correct, because I don't want you to believe anything I say. I want you to believe what God said. Amen to that. That's right. With this commentary, I think we're just trying to help you uh, to direct you in the right paths so you can be educated, edified, and encouraged in the Word of God. And I use the King James Version because I think it's the best. If you're using some other, uh, we're not going to come to your house, slap you in chains, and take you to prison. We're, but uh, I'm going to use the King James Version because my mother spanked me with the Schofield Reference Bible. And I, I can't... Yeah, and I can't help it. No, I think it's, I think it's the best... Uh, the best and more, most reliable translation it has been for 409 years now. Okay, First right. uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. It says, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? That's right. It's talking about speaking in proper tongues. He's refuting the, the false gift of, uh, of unknown tongues and saying that these are tongues that are known that gifted people can speak. And uh, it, it has to be, the word of God has to be spoken in words that your audience understands. Right. And that means, says, if for the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Well, good grief, good grief. We are in a battle the moment we get saved. Now, That's right. I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about some sword fight uh, on, the, on the field of battle. Uh, I'm hand-to-hand combat. I'm talking about a spiritual battle. You're talking about uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12, are you not? Uh, we're going to get there. Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, for, for those of you listening, uh, he pretty much has... Uh, the same mind as his dad, <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> for, for Timothy, chapter 1, verse 18, um, Paul writes to his son in the ministry, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them, those prophecies, might might mightest war a good warfare. Right. And so here we are. We're in a warfare. Turn to Psalms chapter one forty four, please. Psalms one forty four. Yeah, one forty four. Um, and if you get there before me, uh, shame on me. Okay, <laughs> Psalms one forty four. Now David knew, and David was always. Uh, um, faced with battles. Uh, King Saul wanted to kill him. He would run from Saul. He would hide in caves. Uh, he, he had a, it was a constant battle. And in Psalm 144, and before I read this, my friend Jim Cochran gave me a t-shirt about six weeks ago. It has this <laughs> verse on the back of it. Jim Cochran is one of those guys you don't want to go to battle with him, either physically or spiritually, uh, because <laughs> he'll tear you to pieces. <laughs> and, and if he's listening, I think he'll say amen. Uh, but, but here's what the psalmist wrote under the direction of God. It says, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, to war. That's right. and my fingers to fight. 
And as I'm talking to you today, I have that verse written on the back of my T-shirt. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and that's purposeful because I, I knew we were going to talk about the battle. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, or being a soldier. Turn to, um, uh, turn to 2 Timothy, mm-hmm. verses 3 and 4, please. Mm-hmm. Which chapter? 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4. Yeah. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Now, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. (laughs) And God has chosen you to be a soldier for him. You are in a battle. And so what does that battle entail? Well, first of all, you've got to be clad like a soldier. That's right. You go into battle, you can't go in there naked. No, you can't. I mean, by that, unarmed. I mean, you, you can't do that. As a Desert Storm so, veteran, I can, I can vouch for that. And, and the, and the uh, by the way, what we set off air last week that you didn't hear, people, was that good preachers of the Word of God, pastors, evangelists, uh, home Bible teachers, people who, uh, and missionaries, good Christian missionaries, we all have a target on our back. Boy, that's we, are being, we are being shot at. Oh, we certainly uh, are. And by the, and so, and so, be, and when I say that, um, let, let me let me take you to Ephesians chapter six. Uh, let's begin reading verse ten. It says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might." Boy, that ought to yeah. that ought to make you enthusiastic <laughs> and give you comfort and and, and courage. And then it says, "Put on the whole armor of God." That that key word in verses that word that. Huh. Here's mm-hmm. your purpose. That's right. Put on the whole armor of God for, for, for the purpose that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the, the devil. devil. Yep. That's, that's our adversary. And then he says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore... Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now we're going to talk the rest of the time about standing. But it says, stand therefore, in verse 14, having your loins girt about with the truth. That's right. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. That's to protect your innards. That's right. Your heart, your liver, but but spiritually, those innards, your visceral part of you. And it says, and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, that means you're to fill the Great Commission, which you see in Matthew chapter 28. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, so, and then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith she shall be able to quench all, all the, the fiery, fiery darts, darts of the wicked. 
your faith is not important. It's your shield. You bet. To keep you from being fatally wounded. That's right. By the devil, by the adversary. And then in verse 7 it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, mm. which is the word of God. That's your whole armor. That's right. The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation, which if you receive Christ, that's on your head. That, that's to keep your mind straightened out. And the sword of the Spirit is your offensive weapon. It's the only one mentioned here. That's right. It, 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 it's, and, and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And let me do be a little colloquial here. If you don't fill your soul with the word of God, you ain't going to win. Right. That's right. It's not even going to be a tie. That's right. Can I, if you're going to be a winner, that's right. You got to be a you got to be a discerner of truth. That's right. I mean, earlier in this in, in, in this passage in Ephesians, it says that you uh, that you uh, have your loins girt about with truth. Uh, uh, and, and Jesus said, thy word is truth. And he was talking to his father in John chapter 17. Uh, Sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is true, cover to cover, word by word. And it is uh, and it is dictated by God. And some people will argue with me on that. Uh, and I don't have to go into I, I don't want to go into that but now. But you've got to put on the whole armor of God. For what? So that in the evil day, you may stand. That's right. That's right. And you've got to stand as a soldier, and you've got to stand with the whole armor of God. Now, let's look at some scriptures about standing. Um, by the way, the word stand, just tell me, is the Greek word, and it means literally to take up a position. That's right. Yeah. And uh, entrench, entrench yeah. yourself, entrench yourself, fortify. Uh, absolutely. Yep. And, and Curtis, you were in the armed forces 10 years, is that correct? Uh, a little over 10 years, yes, sir. A little over 10 years, and you had to charge the Iraqi border with your gun loaded, didn't you? Well, yeah, <laughs> among other things, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, and you had to be prepared to do what was the right thing to win. That is correct. And, and you did because you had to deal with a whole lot of people who surrendered uh, in, in mass. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. You, you, you prepared. You charged. You, you took a stand. That's right. For freedom. That's right. And every serviceman, when he takes his oath, stands, takes a stand, a position entrenched uh, to fight for freedom. Now, turn to Philippians chapter 4, please. We'll start with several scriptures. And again, don't believe it because I said it. Have your Bible there. Check me out. It says here, um, well, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. Why? Because he's our strength. That's right. He's our refuge. Amen. Yep. And so we should stand fast in the Lord. Um, 
turn quickly, please, to First uh, Thessalonians mm -hmm. chapter 3. First Thessalonians chapter 3. All right. In there. You got it? Oh, you I've, got it? I've got it. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, For now we live if, and sometimes that word can mean since, that says, if you mm -hmm. stand fast in the Lord. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh-huh. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you getting there? I'm there. I'm not. Second <laughs> <laughs> Thessalonians chapter uh, chapter 3. No, no, chapter 2, verse 15. It says here, the wrong chapter 2 verse 15 it says now therefore brethren stand fast stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or our epistle so you stand fast in the Lord in his word um, uh, and you stand fast in the teaching 1 Corinthians 1 or 1 Corinthians 16 13 says also the same thing that we're to stand fast in the Lord. Second Thessalonians 2.15, and we read, said we're to stand fast in the teaching of the Word. Um, we hope that we're doing this correctly, and we're trying to do this in spirit and truth, and we're hoping to uh, educate and edify believers, especially non-believers. Uh, we we want to strengthen you, lift you up, and make you ready for the battle, and that's why we're doing this. Turn to Second uh, uh, Corinthians. Mm -hmm. All right, Second Corinthians. You right. got there before I did, didn't you? I'm there. Second Corinthians, chapter one. Verse 24. Okay. And it says here, Not for that we have dominion over your faith. That is, the pastors aren't the ones that have dominion over your faith. The preachers are not the ones that have dominion over your faith. They're just servants and soldiers uh, with uh, uh, that have a commission uh, that maybe you don't have, but you're com you're committed uh, to the battle. And it says, moreover, uh, it says, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of mm. your joy. Uh -huh. For you, for by faith <laughs> ye stand. And don't ever forget that. For by faith you stand. We stand in the faith. That's right. There's no question about it, one way or the other. Um, turn to First Peter chapter five. First Peter five. Mm-hmm. Okay. You turning? I am. I can almost hear you. Did you lick your finger first? N no, I didn't do that. It, you know. No, that, that, that'll that'll expedite it. So it's, it's a new co <laughs> it's a new COVID protocol, Dan. I don't. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, in a little bit. Okay. Uh, and when I get done with these things on standing, and, and you interject whenever you want to, 
Um, as your dad, I'll give you permission. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pop. Okay. Um, let's see. Did I say First Peter chapter five, verse twelve? You did. Uh, and, and Peter's talking about the, the epistles of Paul and so forth. And he says, by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, wherein ye stand. Believer, if you're a believer right now, you must stand in the grace that God is giving. The word grace is a Greek word, charis. And it means it's a gift. For by grace are you saved? Your faith. Not of works, lest any man should both. Uh, you're saved by, by grace. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So, and, and, and he says you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That is, in the battle, which God had before ordained that you should walk in. And so, and so but you, you should... According to First Peter, you should stand in grace. Look at Romans chapter five, verse twelve. Okay, Romans. Romans five, five, verse twelve. Okay. I hear, I heard those pages turning. Oh, I hope that there are hundreds of them. Me too. Romans five. Romans five. Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death has. Oh, oh wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. I gave you the I gave you the wrong uh, verse. Romans five verse two says this: By whom also? Let's read verse one. Therefore, by being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope. Of glory of God. Do you know what the word hope means? It means confidence. That's right. That's right. And so we should rejoice in confidence. And how do we do this? By standing in the grace of God. Amen. Okay. Let's see. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to. Um, so we've seen now. We stand in the Lord. Uh, we stand by faith, and then we got to stand uh, by the preaching. You know, it's important for the preaching of the Word of God. It absolutely is. Do you remember when you were a kid and your dad was called to the ministry, and we went off to Bible College to Pontiac, Michigan? I'll never forget it. We, I went to. <laughs> I went to Midwestern Bible College, and we attended Emmanuel Baptist Church with the great Dr. Tom Malone. And sadly, I'm going to say this because it's going to come up with something else you're going to say. Did you know that that church does not exist anymore? Yeah, yeah. 3,000 people when we went there. That's right. 3,000 people. Yep. And so I was called into the ministry. I was sure of it, and I was a pastor for 16 years. I've been an evangelist. Uh, I've been a home Bible study teacher, a Sunday school teacher. Uh, I taught in a Christian academy. Uh, there's no doubt. And, but, but here's what, here's what uh, Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 20 says. It says, Go, 
Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Uh-huh. It's, it's something that we must do as believers. First of all, find a church where there's a real man of God who preaches the word um, without without any excuse, and he rightly devised the word of truth, and he he uh, 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 faithfully proclaims that word of God to his people, and you find a place where that is done, and you stay there and support the man who goes and stands and speaks in the temple to the people. That's right. I found one, and I'm going to stay with him. And I'm going to continue to go to his church. And I hope you have too down there in Sherman. Absolutely. So, Okay, very good. So we need to stand fast in or with the preaching of the word of God. Find out where it is. Go there. Be faithful to attend. Give uh, to the ministry faithfully. Uh, stand fast in the preaching. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You're there already, aren't you? Well, I, I'm not there yet, but I know <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15, we find uh, the... Uh, the rapture of the church, Absolutely. how it's explained, and, and so later on in that chapter, but he starts out that chapter by saying, well, well let's, end, let's end with 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, so let all things be done decently and in order, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel mm-hmm. which I preached unto you, mm-hmm. which also you have received, right. and wherein you stand. That's right. Young believer, you stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we already read to you in the 15th chapter uh, of, uh, of this, and which follows in uh, verses 3 and 4 and 5 of the same chapter. That's, the, that's, the, that's where you stand and must stand if you're going to win this battle. You might be you might be armored with all of these things, but you've got with that armor, you've got to stand in the Lord. You've got to stand in His teaching. You've got to stand by faith. You've got to stand by grace. You've got to stand by the preaching of the Word. And lastly, turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians five. Boy, I love getting you getting you going like this. Uh, Galatians chapter five. Yeah, verse one. Uh huh. talking about law versus grace. There were people in Paul's time that thought that you could be saved by keeping the law, and no, and no one can do that. Nope. You nope. can't do it. Nope, that's works of uh, righteousness, and that's not what saves you. And there's no there's no such thing as a work of righteousness but believing. That's right. That's the and only you one. can do some works of righteousness, but, but uh, you know, works don't save you. No, they don't. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us, the book of Titus says. That's right. Okay, so let's go to 
You know, and, and let, let me, let me, can I interject one thing here about the, the battle gear, uh, Pastor? Some, something that I've always, uh, you know, that I didn't really realize until later on in my, in my Christian uh, life and, and my, my study of the Word uh, is, is that uh, God does not send us into a battle half-equipped or three-quarters right. equipped. He, he sends us totally equipped. He sends us perfectly equipped and uh, if you know anything about biblical numerology you know that uh, the number seven is God's uh, number of perfection or, or completion uh, and 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 if you look at Ephesians 612 which you referred to earlier uh, it delineates all the different uh, pieces of battle garb the whole armor uh, and if you look closely at that, there are seven pieces. There sure are. There are seven pieces of armor. Yeah, yep. And by the way, the only offensive weapon that you're given is the sword. That's right. And, and so I ask believers today, uh, are you studying your Bible and, and, uh, and, and consequently swinging the sword? That's right. You know, people don't get saved if they don't hear the word. That's correct. So it, it's, it's incumbent upon us to speak the word. It is. You know, the instant is he's an uh, you know, we, he, we've he, got him. We, we've he, got to do that. Ezekiel 33.6 uh, sums it up pretty well, to be honest with you. Uh, if you go to Ezekiel 33.6, uh, I mean, we, we, we're watchmen. We, we, are, we are told to be instant in season and out of season. That means be ready at all times to, right. to explain Okay, where we stand. And uh, Ezekiel 33, 6 says, But if the watchman see the sword come, if he sees the attack coming, and he blows not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, then if the sword comes and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity or his sin. Boy, that's exactly right. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. We have a responsibility. Wow. 
okay? This is our duty. If we do not do what we're doing right now, even as we speak, uh, then we are going to be held accountable for not doing our job. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's the whole purpose for this podcast. The whole purpose for it. Yep. By the way, do you know you know who the captain of the, of the army is? <laughs> if you read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, you'll see that Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Amen. And we're the soldiers. That's right. Get in the battle. Get in the fight. Swing the sword and don't retreat. Stand fast. That's and right. Done, and I'm done with this subject. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, well, I, I know better than to, than, than to interject too much. And I'll tell you, what, <laughs> I enjoy getting you, getting you going like this. Uh, always have, always will. Uh, uh, love the way you preach, Pastor. And uh, uh, I love you for it. And uh, you've, always, you've always put it out there straight, simple, and true. And uh, uh, it's been a blessing to, to be your son and to be... Uh, under your tutelage, also. So thank you. Uh, now, we you you've explained in great detail uh, why we have to stand, why we are in, we're actively involved in a war every day. Let's let's just look at what's happening today. Uh, in uh, if you turn on the news or you, or you read a newspaper. Uh, you go to work, you hear the conversations at work. Listen, we're under attack. And, and by the way, uh, don't, don't fool yourselves for one minute. Uh, we are, Christians are under attack. We have been for many, many decades. It's been soft persecution up to this point. Uh, and what I mean by soft persecution is uh, things that are done uh, on the sly, uh, th- that are not completely and totally obvious as persecution. For instance, uh, when was prayer removed from school, Pastor? Do you remember what year that was? I don't remember the year, but I know that it has been. It was two years after I was born. Isn't that amazing? In 1963, prayer was removed from public schools. Why on earth... Would you vote in a country where you're supposed to have the liberty to worship as you choose and to believe as you choose? Why on earth would there be a need to remove prayer from school? Um, there's a need to institute it, ah. to use it, mm-hmm. to, to revel in it, mm-hmm. to glory in it. That's right. That's right. But, uh, but no, uh, no, they want to take it away from our kids. By the way, that's when the, that's when the uh, you start losing the battle. That's right. Don't lose the battle with your kids. Do you remember? Uh, they're on um, Laura Avenue in West Peoria. Mm-hmm. How your dad every night <laughs> before your before your heads hit the pillow and your eyes shut in sleep, you you and your sister heard the word of God from your dad. That is correct. And there was a method to my madness. <laughs> I, this I know now. Yes. Yeah, and we don't learn that till later on. But, but 
right now. But let's go back to this. They took prayer out of school. Yes, you can't pray anymore. All yeah, right. you can't pray anymore. Uh, what, what? These, oh, are, yeah. these are civil liberties provided us uh, by God, first and foremost. Uh, yeah. God, God gave every one of us freedom. He started with the freedom to choose. Okay? It's part, it's part of us. It's built into us. Freedom. Freedom. And uh, sad to say, uh, and, and it's alarming, uh, the lengths that are being, <laughs> the, the things that are being done in our government today. And not only just our government, but uh, a, a proposed world government uh, there's, there's, uh, I hate to use the word conspiracy, but there's no really, there's really no other accurate, more accurate word to describe it than a there conspiracy. Oh, absolutely. There there's, there's always, there's always been a conspiracy to thwart the plans of God. And it started in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but, but we're, uh, I'll tell you that what's happening in the world today, you, we can see uh, Satan's plans to thwart the plans of God becoming more obvious um, and what scares me for, for, for most people is that uh, I see I see people all over the world now uh, being willing to give up their freedoms uh, for security we're, we're being assaulted in that manner now uh, and Christians especially what makes it right for you to be able to go to Walmart or for you to be able to go to the casino and gamble, uh, but not you can't go to church and worship. Who or, who cannot see? Or you can see? get together and pray. Yeah, or you can get together and and um, and 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 uh, well, what do I say? Uh, beat in somebody's store, light fires. Yeah, you, you can be protesting thousands at a time, standing arm in arm. That's fine. That's okay, I guess. You, yeah, yeah, that, that's perfectly okay. But you can't peaceably assemble in church and worship. There's something that's obviously wrong there, isn't there? Isn't Absolutely. there? You know, uh, the thing that, that, that scares me the most is, is that uh, that. People seem to be blinded to this. Um, it, it's so obvious. Uh, it's a gigantic lie. What's going on right now? Um, and it, it's all—it's all attached to um, a single purpose, which is to to to, to ev uh, eventually have a one-world government, a one-world monetary system, and. There's going to be a push for one world religion. Uh, and, and believe me, ecumenicalism is nothing more than ways to achieve that through uh, compromise. Yep. And Christians, yep. listen, we cannot afford to compromise. Nothing, good will, nothing good will come of that. And by the way, by the way, the folks that are behind this attack on Christianity know that there are uh, a remnant of us Christians that will not, under any circumstances, compromise 
our belief in Jesus Christ. Let me make it clear. That is what this battle is all about. In the end, that's really what the crux is. That's the push. That's what the attack is all about. And I, for one, uh, I'll, I'll go on record right now saying, I am prepared to stand. I'm perfectly equipped, and I know that. I'm perfectly equipped spiritually. Uh, I, of course, have done things to, to equip myself uh, physically, uh, but spiritually I'm perfectly equipped and prepared to stand. And uh, Christians, we need to stand together. We need to, it's never been more important. We, we are in the midst of, of what I would call uh, a communist takeover. It's a communist coup. And I'm well, not, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you just a minute. Yeah. The word socialism hmm. is simply a euphemism for communism. But that's all Make it is. No mistake about it. No mistake about it. And it's a system that's never worked anywhere. It's never been prosperous anywhere. Uh, you know, and, and while we're on the subject, you know, I, again, Pastor, you know, I don't, I don't know how anybody cannot see this that, 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 for what it is. Uh, you know, uh, the father of, of modern communism was Karl Marx, uh, wrote about it in his Communist Manifesto. Uh, and the whole the whole move uh, the whole purpose of this manifesto was to uh, kind of delineate uh, the method by which uh, you could take over a government and uh, bring a, an entire country into subjection to communism. Uh, if we can't see what's happening, I mean, it, it, it's it's obvious. Uh, let me just list a couple of the, the planks. of, According to Karl Marx, this is how you transform a country. This is how you subject a people to communism. Uh, the first plank was to abolish private property. Amen. And, and what that means is that a communist government gets to own your home and everything that you have. All of your possessions will belong, belong to will belong to the government. What do you think that redistribution of wealth means? Exactly. They can't exactly. redistribute anything unless it belongs to them. That's right. Wake up. Wake up, people. That's happening in this country now. That's why you need to stand. That's why you need to stand. Let's yep. look at the second plank. Levy, he says, Karl Marx says to levy high progressive income tax. Well, hey, wait a minute. Man. Wow. Well, yeah. my goodness, let's see. That means you, you, you pay higher and higher taxes until you don't have enough to live on. And then eventually everyone's equally poor. Yep. Equally poor. That's what with we the exception, With the exception of the oligarchs. Well, yeah, that's right. With the exception of the ruling <laughs> class. In, in Russia, it's called the Politburo. That's right. 
That's right. Who drive, who drive to their sessions in, are driven to their sessions in limousines mm-hmm. wearing ermine coats. Yeah, that's right. And while everybody else is told you got to stand in line for the, for the loaf of bread. That's right. Uh, you have to live over there next to Siberia. That's, that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You don't have no choice. That's yep. right. That's right. We see it happening. That's been happening yep. here for, for decades, decades. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me, uh, Pastor, that uh, uh, higher taxes are usually levied when Democrats take office. Uh, I, was, I was serving in Desert Storm when uh, Bill Clinton took office, and the first thing he did, like every good Democrat, uh, was two things. He raised taxes, and he drew down the military. And that's the reason I don't I don't draw a, a military pension to this day. Uh, I'll never forgive him for that. Uh, but that that regardless, that's what they do. Uh, yeah. Now let's look at the third plank. Uh, abolish inheritance. In other words, all families would lose their family inheritance or inheritances to the government. What do you think a death tax is? If you don't have enough money to pay the death tax, well, what happens? Well, then the government, by eminent domain, has the right to come in and seize your property to pay for it. And your children. That's right. That's right. That's right. The, the fourth plank of communism, confiscate private property of emigrants and rebels. In other words, anybody can be named as an enemy of the state. And you see that happening in Washington now. How many times has Nancy Pelosi taken the podium and called our president an enemy of the state? Okay, anybody can be called that. And if they, if they deem to call you that, then they can take everything you've got. They also want to centralize and monopolize credit and banks. Uh, Right. Centralized banking government. Well, that's what we're. Hey, listen, that's what the push is, right? Let's be. Let's be global. Let's all work together and let's have one money system. It's coming. It's coming. You can Absolutely. see it's obvious. They also want to control communication, transportation, and media. Well, they're already controlling the media. That's right. They want to remove private ownership of factories and businesses. Uh, the government has their hands, has their mitts in everything, for crying out loud. That's exactly right. The goal is here to have nobody have any, having any personal ownership of anything. Or personal liberties. Personal, that's exactly right. They want to equalize labor. In other words, everybody gets paid the same, or everybody is equally poor, except for the controlling powerful parties. They want to monopolize and subsidize agriculture and industry. Uh, greedy, power-hungry uh, oligarchs will control food and business, and they're, they're doing it now. They're doing it now. And, and last, and, and definitely not least, uh, they want to control education and, and make uh, everybody, every little kid in this country, they want to make them... Uh, a socialist by indoctrination in our public schools. That's it. They want to control 
the population through government health, through government education, and welfare programs. They want to remove our true history from our history books and rewrite it to their advantage and to their yep. goals through lies. Yep. That's happening, folks. It's been happening. And they're yep. becoming more brazen about it. And listen, uh, just by just by its in, in inherent philosophy alone, socialism is the enemy of Christianity. And they are attacking us. It is a battle. It's a spiritual yes, it battle. And we, yes, need, we need to be able to recognize the enemy. We need to be able to recognize tactic, the enemy's tactics. And that's how we're going to be able to fight. We have to be, we're completely and totally equipped. We have our soldier's manual. It's called the Word of God. You want to know how to defend your position? You want to know how to attack evil? It's in your handbook, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. It's in your handbook. Read it. Yep. Read yep. it. It's time. Yep. Time is drawing short for us to be able to remain a free and sovereign country. There is a move afoot. There is a coup happening. And, and make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Study true constitutional law and true American history, and you will see, you will see that there is definitely a move to take over this country and make a social oligarchy. Amen to everything. Well, let, let, me, let me add this. When the church falls, the rest of the nation is going to fall. Yeah. Curtis, uh, real quickly, yeah. I'm just going to say this for our people that are, who are listening. Um, uh, about two years ago, uh, eh, maybe a little longer, uh, a young lady of our church, a married lady, uh, she loves the Word of God. She caught me out in the uh, in the foyer, and she knew I'd been a pastor, and she knew, and I'd been a Sunday school teacher, and so forth. And she says, uh, "Dick, have you ever read Jeremiah chapter 23?" Oh, yeah. And I said, oh, yes, mm -hmm. where the pastors and the prophets and the priests all became profane. And she said, yes. Uh-huh. Yep. And I've, and I've got a partial booklet written that I'm going to finish um, pretty quickly, I think, called The Great Perversion. And you'll find that in Jeremiah 23. You will also find it in Ezekiel chapter 22. If our listeners will just read those two chapters, you will see what was happening in Israel is happening in our churches today. We'd rather be entertained than edified. Yeah. We'd, we, we'd rather, uh, we'd rather uh, uh, have good music mm -hmm. uh, than, than good doctrine. It, it's amazing, yeah. and it's happening. So let me, let me just finish it. My comments, and then, and then you can close. Um, there's a guy that wrote a book called Democracy in America. In America, his name is Alexis D. Tocqueville, and here's what he wrote: I sought for the greatness and the genius of America in her, in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. 
in her rich mines and her vast world commerce. And it was not there. In her democratic Congress, in her matchless Constitution. And it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. <laughs> America is great because she is good. 